um, I don't think you need to know them uh, personally. I think what, what really matters is can you go and can you look at their profile? Can you look at the content that they produce and, and look at that and say, based off of all of the content that they posted, do I like this person first off? Uh, that's a big thing, right? Anybody who hires you, most likely they're going to have to like you or else why would they spend money on you? Um, especially if you're selling real estate or you know doing a loan or, or in our case, selling a product, right? Um, Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today we have Michelle Berman-Michael, the CEO and founder of Instagram Power Method and Berman Media PD. They're about ready to go through a rebrand for Beyond the Method, which we're excited to get talking about today. But as always, we normally go into talking about the craziest real estate transaction, but because you actually serve real estate loans, we're going to go a little bit different. You actually were in a corporate setting, which is near and dear to my heart because that's what I was in when I had to give notice and quit so I could live a life of freedom. Tell us, take us into what was your journey from being in the corporate world to being now where you're serving real estate agents and loan officers? I love it. And I love the name of your podcast, Matt, so Thank much you. because freedom chasers, that's what we're doing, right? That's we're it. chasing freedom in our life. And um, that's exactly what I did in, in my journey, right? And really the reason behind why I decided to leave corporate America. So um, like most people, when you graduate from college, you go get a job. That's that's pretty much what we're taught and, and ingrained in our brains from early on. And I did that, right? After graduating from Rutgers in 2012, um, I got a job working for a door-to-door -door company selling direct energy, actually, um, which is a funny story. But um, very shortly after that, I had almost finished my master's and decided, you know, I'm going to go get like a real job. I'm not going to just do sales. I'm going to go like work in the public relations field. My master's, almost master's degree was in public or social media, public relations. So it was a really natural fit. And uh, the company that I was working for, we, they sort of specialized in the Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook world, which back in 2014, which is when this was, um, that was really popular or like Instagram really wasn't a thing at that time. So it, it was me getting my foot in the door, working with these platforms that I had just spent, you know, two plus years of grad school learning about. Um, I was only there for about not even six months, barely. Um, and I actually quit on the spot because I had written a press release that the, my boss at the time had decided wasn't good enough to publish because I had a semicolon and a few commas out of place. So, um, I walked into her office after getting that feedback from another person in the office and I just quit on the spot. And I immediately said, I, I remember the conversation very vividly because I just said to her, there has to be a better way of taking care of people. And there has to be a way of actually showing up for our clients and, and meeting what we say. Right. So a lot of what we were doing for the clients, everything looked the same. Every piece of content that was being produced looked exactly the same, regardless of the type of company it was, regardless of how much money they were paying. So even though there were tiers, right, that they could pay for, it didn't matter. And, and the moral compass in my heart was not on board with that. Um, so I actually went door to door. So I kind of went back to my door to door. Before we, before we go into door to door, yeah. I, I want to dive into that. So what yeah. was running through your mind? I mean, obviously you talk about the moral compass side, but the thing yeah. that triggered it for you was the fact that they were not releasing your paper because of a couple of commas and colons. What was actually happening behind the scenes of that thought process? For me personally, nobody's ever asked me that. That's a really good question, Matt. Um, what was really happening behind 
my or in my mind was that I just knew that what was being produced was not going to work. Like deep down, I knew that the way that we were being taught to do this on behalf of a client was not going to work. Like they weren't listening to the client at all. Mm. Um, they never met with the clients. They never had them in the office. Um, we had a meeting with them a month. Like how, how much can you cover in a one hour meeting, like in an entire month? Like uh, that's not enough. Um, and they were just raping people for money. I mean, it was like five to $10,000 a month um, for something that just wasn't working. It wasn't doing anything. Um, and so for me, it was an emotional tug of, I'm going to go prove that if you focus on caring about people and listening to people, that the results will be tenfold. And guess what? I don't have to charge an astronomical amount of money and I'll actually be able to serve more people. So um, I have it written down in a journal that I had written many, many, many years ago um, that if all I could do was change one person's life every day for 365 days of the year, that's 365 people that I could help. Mm -hmm. um, and if you do that over the course of your lifetime, that is a lot of people. Um, so really for me, it was understanding that I wanted people to care and I wanted people to know that I cared and that we could do it better. Why do you, why do you care about people so much? Good question. Again, um, why do I care about people so much? Um, without getting entirely too personal um, for the sake of, of the podcast, vulnerability, I, I understand is a very attractive quality and I'm, I'm no stranger to being very vulnerable, but um, I have struggled with my love language is words of affirmation. It's been my, my husband and I, when we got married, we did like the five love languages book and it was very evident that that's what mine was. Um, but I have, two amazing parents and and I have a sister who I am do not get along with and do not connect with whatsoever um and really for me deep down the, the very big deep rooted rooted issue is knowing that my parents really don't give a crap about what I do mm. um and haven't spent very much time trying to um and so for me it's wanting to matter and I and I never felt like I did and so um that's that's a hard thing to admit but I feel like, you know, my entire life I've been chasing affirmation from the one person who I wanted it from the most. Um, and still to this day, I genuinely don't think they even know what I do. Wow. And it's something that like almost can't be achieved because you're turning to accolades to get it. And it's not accolades that it, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I can relate on this at a really, really deep level. And um, let's so then essentially, was it a transformation and a shift then where it's like, well, hey, if I can't get this here, I'm going to get that connection there, out there? Yeah. I mean, it came from where the words of affirmation were going to come from, right? Like if I couldn't get it from the person that I wanted it from the most, how could I go get it? That would yeah. make me wake up every morning um, and do what I needed to do. Um, and for me, it was knowing that if I could show up for somebody else because nobody showed up for me, um, that I would have a life that was worth living. Um, and I've struggled with, you know, and uh, one of my favorite clients and I won't use names for just privacy for him, but I have a client who has been one of my favorite clients from the very beginning. Um, and I had, I spoke on stage probably about a year ago now. I can't believe it's been that long, but, um, and talk very openly about my postpartum journey and the suicidal issues that I've had in, in my life. So I've had two times in my life where I, I had, I had to ask for help. Um, and I was very open about that on stage at, at this event. Um, and this gentleman came up to me afterwards and said, 
very poignantly, like that he had suffered heavily with very severe depression and very bad suicidal thoughts, had to be hospitalized shortly um, during the downturn of the mortgage industry. Um, he had been in mortgage for 20 plus years and never had that. He, his wife almost left him. He has four kids. Like it was a really, really bad dark time for him. And he said that listening to me gave him the confidence to talk about it. And he knew he had a, wanted to use Instagram as the platform to talk about it. Um, we strategized and figured out how to do that for him. And then, um, I was actually at Inman earlier this year and I got a text message from him while getting in a taxi to go to dinner um, that he had officially been off all of his medication for almost a month. He had gone back to CrossFit and was working out every day during the week. Again, he was getting back into running. He had just bought running shoes. Um, and it was like, I have the goosebumps even now telling the story again. It's one of those things where you're like, if I die tomorrow, like I changed somebody's life. And that is so valuable to me. Um, and yes, obviously he's successful on Instagram now because of what we're doing. But for me, it was more than just helping this person have a voice um, on Instagram. It was about having him have a voice in his own life, right? And being able to kind of walk into feeling like he was worth being on this planet. Wow. And as a words of affirmation person, like you're probably breaking down over that. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I said, if I, if I literally died the next day after that, I was like, I'm good. good. This is why I'm here. So incredible. So let's get back to the story. So essentially, this is what's driving you. You're out there to prove the world that you've got what it takes, that you matter, etc. And this is the fuel. Like, I want, I want to take, a, I guess, a quick aside here. You have a lot of energy, which I love. It's so cool. Was that always you? Or has that kicked on later in life? Um, it's kicked on much later in life. Um, my, I, my husband is probably the reason why that is the case. Um, for the first time, it was somebody who said, yeah, let's do it. You want to do something crazy? Let's do it. And he, when I launched what is now known as the Instagram power method, um, it's, I spent four days locked in a, my office, um, because I gave myself a deadline and said, I have to release this by Monday. So I literally spent four days in my office, barely ate. He had to come in and remind me to like go pee and tell, like, tell me I had to stop and like go to bed. Um, and I've never had anybody just say, you, well, let's do it. Like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, but let's do it. Right. And so for me, it was, um, that was really valuable, especially considering, um, the relationship I had been in for close to four years before that. Um, I still had my resume saved on my desktop on my computer because he would always tell me like, what are you going to do when Instagram goes away? You're going to have to get a real job. So you better keep updating it. Um, and about six months into my marriage with my husband, um, I deleted it off my, off my desktop and mm. I've never looked back. So, um, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that, but the, the energy side of it for me has come from owning it and being, and not having a back door. And then also, I think every time something good happens, it's, it's added fuel. And I think there's very little that dims my fire at this point. Um, you know, we have a, a bad client here or there, or I get a, a bad email here or there. Um, but we've just been we've just had so much positive reinforcement and so much really, really good feedback for now going on, you know, three and a half years that for me, that's where the energy I think came from. I'm also a mom now. So I have a 19 month old running around. So that certainly helps. But. Yeah. So let's, I mean, if someone encountered you 10 years ago, five, 10 years ago, 
Um, well, I guess 2014 is about nine. So pr say prior to 2014, yeah. what would they have experienced? Would, would it just have been a much less energetic version of you or? Yeah. Um, very, very, very insecure. Um, that is for sure who I was back then. I was also, uh, the confidence that I have now didn't exist, um, without question. Um, I was all over the place a lot of times, like, you know, it was a little bit of this. I was trying a little bit of that. Like I was kind of a nomad in that sense. Um, and I loved that side of who I was. Like I was a very free spirit. I didn't feel like I needed to live in one place for very long. Um, I graduated from Rutgers in 2012 and lived in Southern Jersey for about a year after that, moved to Philly for another year, moved to Michigan for a couple of years, moved back to Southern California, moved to Arizona. Like you know, I've never felt like I needed to be in one place. And so I, but I think that that attributed to that. Um, but yeah, 10 years ago, um, I was bossy. I wasn't very nice, probably. Um, <laughs> definitely wasn't a good leader without question. Um, and really, I just, I didn't love myself. So it was hard for me to love other people for sure. And then essentially stepping into your calling, your passion, et cetera, your mm -hmm. energy accelerates, your sense of confidence, your sense of purpose, no more need to be like, moving all around the world all the time, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like this is something that's so powerful to me because it's something that's taking place in my life too. And I sense it in you, which is like some of the problems that we have in life are actually only being caused because we're not in the right place. We're not doing the right thing. We're not with the right people, so on and so forth. So, um, all right, let's take it back. You're door knocking and obviously you're filled now because you've got this passion. You're on your own. You're not under this, you know, uh, corporate, uh, you know, structure. You've got energy. So, so take us into what happens. That was the most wild time of my life in all of their best ways um, because I bet on myself 100%. And I remember thinking in that moment, I was like, I'm either like, luckily I live close to my parents. So worst case scenario, I have no money and I can call my mom. Um, but um, it was the first time in my life that I knew that the only way I was either going to fail or win was 100% based off of what I did. Um, so I literally went door to door in this city that I lived into businesses and I, I walked in and I said, hi, you have no idea who I am, but this is my experience. This is what my degree is, is in, can you pay me $500 a month to handle all of your social media? Um, and I asked for grace. I said, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I can promise you that I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to, we'll have, we'll meet all the time. If you want me to come into the office, I'll come in here. Um, but that's what I'm asking for $500 a month. And let's figure it out together. Um, obviously we don't charge $500 a month anymore, but, um, but at the time that to me, that's what felt right because I was nobody. I didn't know anything. It was just from like the experience I had. Um, I ended up with seven clients in the first week. Um, and I actually stopped going and, and trying to get new business so that I could really hyper-focus on the seven that I had. Um, I mean, it was enough money to live. I was doing fine. Um, and, I just went to work. Like I just, I really started trying to figure out what was working and what wasn't. Um, I slowly got into the, the world of influencer marketing that a lot of people have heard that term, but, um, before we I go into that, I want to highlight some things that you're saying that are so powerful. Number one, like you didn't have to fake it till you make it right. You weren't telling them, Hey, I know all this stuff. You were being directly honest with them. Here's what I can do for you. Here's, we're going to figure it out together. And you still landed $3,500 a month of business in seven days. Like that is yeah. wild. Why do you think they chose you with the fact that you didn't have the experience? Because I worried or I, I was so much more focused on them 
and what they needed. Um, and to be honest with you, I think even still to this day, close to 10 years later, it was all about the relationship for me. Right. And I, and I have a saying in my business and with all of my employees, like, and all my clients for that matter, both sides, but I say your success, your success is my success. So if you fail, that's my fault, not yours. Um, right. And that has since shifted, um, you know, where yes, the client can fail if they don't do what they need to do. Um, but truly like, I feel like I have the weight of the world on my back with every client that we onboard. Um, because in my opinion, if they fail, that's on me. Um, and so being a lot more focused on the relationship and being super genuine about it. Um, and we all had slimy salesmen in our DMS or slice, you know, sleazy people we've met at the car dealership or wherever, right. That are trying to sell us something that one, we know we don't need, or two, we know that they're overcharging us. Um, and I, um, I knew intuitively that if I went in with this like gung ho attitude, it wasn't going to work. Um, and so I just showed up and I was hundred percent unapologetically exactly who I am. Um, and that's how we did it. Um, and they, they've been amazing clients or they were amazing clients until my shift happened. So you lock up seven clients and then all of a sudden here comes the work and the learning and so on and so forth. Carry on. Yeah. So I ended up, um, I, I've been a competitive CrossFitter for a long time. And, and so I was at the CrossFit gym working out and I was venting to one of my girlfriends at the gym at the time. And, um, she asked me like, well, what are you doing now? Like, since you left the company, like, you know, it was just kind of, I call it word vomiting. That's the phrase I use. Cause it's funny to me, but, um, I was word vomiting on her about my life with this work situation. Her husband overheard me and said, Hey, you know, I have this opportunity. If you want to come learn about it. Great. If not, no, no worries. Uh, you know, as a 23 year old who was making only $3,500 a month living in Southern California, I was like, sure, I'll take a free dinner. Um, so went to his house, um, to have dinner with her, um, and her husband. And he introduced me to the world of influencer marketing on Instagram. At the time, I had no idea what that meant. I didn't really understand the concept because that side of what we were doing was not holding a product and getting paid to hold a product. Um, I was actually buying and selling Instagram accounts like you would buy and sell real estate and flipping them for profit. So in the prof in the process, I got really, really good at understanding what kind of content matters, how to produce content that's actually going to make someone make a purchasing decision. Um, I also got very good at sniffing out fake metrics, which is why if anyone ever hears me speak any stage you ever hear me on, like it's the number one thing I say, vanity metrics do not mean anything zero right? You can make just as much money, if not more money with 300 followers than you can 3000. Um, and I get honestly infuriated when people are so hyper-focused on followers and likes and, and, and all of these other things that really don't matter. But, um, I digress. So, um, in that process, um, I really became a broker in between these big brands and the Instagram accounts that I was managing. Um, so what they would do, for example, is they would reach out and they'd say, Michelle, here's $5,000. You need to make all of our ads. You need to write all of our copy. And then you need to place these ads on other Instagram accounts so that we sell product. Um, Before we go into that, how- let's come back to that. Yeah. Before we go into that, yeah. how do you know if your 300 followers are quality or not? Ooh, good question. So the answer to the, the quality side of it is based off of where you engage, right? So the type of engagement you're going to receive, meaning the type of people that are going to consume your content, that are going to find your content the way you're training the algorithm if you will um, to show your content is based off of how you engage 
right? So the actions you take are a direct reflection of what's received um, or become a mirror, right? Um, and my business coach says that all the time, like you are a mirror if you if you think about it. Um, he says it more poetically than that. But um, if you look at your 300 followers, for example, and you can't identify any of them as being an ideal client, then mm. most likely what's happening is that you're not giving the right engagement in order to get the right engagement. So I say that all the time too. That's a big um, statement. Um, if you want to get engagement, you have to give it and you have to give it in the right places and giving engagement. I'm sure we'll talk about eventually here, but um, it can be done very, very, very poorly. Um, and that's a huge part of the methodology that I've created and, and curated over the years. So number one thing that is to making sure that what you're putting out in the world is attracting your ideal client. So if you were to go through your Instagram followers or and look at the names, if you happen to know them, you would say this person could or should buy my product. Like how, what percentage of your followers should be in that category? Well, um, I don't think you need to know them yeah. uh, personally. I think what, what really matters is can you go and can you look at their profile? Can you look at the content that they produced and, and look at that and say, based off of all of the content that they posted, do I like this person first off? Uh, that's a big thing, right? Anybody who hires you, most likely they're going to have to like you or else why would they spend money on you? Um, especially if you're selling real estate or, you know, doing a loan or, or in our case, selling a product. Right. Um, so first and foremost, like consume their content, look at it and say, do I even like this person? Um, and then second to that, if you're looking at what they are or who they are, um, is this person or does this person fit the ideal client avatar that you created? Now here's something, and, and Matt, I'm sure you've experienced this, right? Um, no matter how long you've been in the real estate industry, if you can't identify who your ideal client is in one very specific sentence, you're doing it wrong. And mm -hmm. most people can't, whether they've been in the industry for two days, two years, 20 years, they cannot answer that question. They're like, yeah, I specialize in working with first time home buyers. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. You and 5,000 other people that I met yesterday. Right. Um, so it has to be a lot more dialed in than that. But yeah, if you, if you look at their profile and you say this person fits their, um, ideal client avatar, which let's just say your ideal client is, and I'm going to use myself as an example, um, a veteran buyer that's looking to buy their second or third house, not necessarily with the VA loan. We could use the VA loan, but we're not necessarily going to because we don't need to, right? Um, that's a different category of a VA buyer, right? So a lot of people who are like, oh, we specialize in working with veterans. Cool. What kind, right? Because not all veterans are created equal. Um, my husband is medically retired. And so, yes, we can use the VA loan and we have, we had, we've used it in the past, but the house that we're currently in the process of building, actually, um, we're, we're not right. So, um, it's, if that, if you can look at their profile and say, oh, this is a, a former Marine or former army, whatever. Right. And it clearly looks like they're doing pretty well in life. Um, I don't think that they necessarily are a VA like loan qual or candidate, but they obviously are a, a former veteran. I feel connected to them, right? Then, then you could identify that. Yes, I'm your ideal client. Um, so I hope that that's making sense. It's a, it's a lot more than just somebody that, you know, it's, it's being able to look at a profile and, and take it at face value, but then know how to dig into it, to be able to identify whether this is the right person for you or not. Okay. So let's, let's go fairly deep on this. So you picked veterans that are buying their second or third home, which gets very, very specific. You know, you mentioned yeah. like consuming their content and actually liking them as a person. Like mm -hmm. 
do do you love that person because of the fact that your husband's in the military and there's just a lot to talk about? Like kind of talk about how much of it's about loving the person and how much of it's like, I know how to solve that problem. Uh, it has to be both, right? And there's an, it's an, to me, there, it has to be both because at the end of the day, the consumer, right? If I'm your buyer, like we're going to be talking a lot, right? I'm building a house right now. It's a seven month process. Like that realtor and I, we have to like each other or else when she's not going to want to talk to me and I'm not going to want to talk to her and you're going to have a communication issue. So I think for me, it's a matter of both. Um, and I think that the, this ties into the sales aspect of using the Instagram platform. Um, the sales call will be a lot easier in the front half. If you even, if you have a, a point of connection first off, Right. And, and the way I always describe this to people, and I actually have a, a thing that I put up on the screen sometimes, depending on the presentation and, or the room I'm in. Um, but I'll say, would you rather make a hundred phone calls or send a hundred DMs? Like, which would you rather do? Um, 90% of people are like, oh, well, I would rather send a hundred DMs because um, I can do it faster. And I'm like, okay, well, you're, that's the right answer, but that's not why it's the right answer. Because yes, you could do it faster, but here's what it really comes down to is, if you want to do hundred phone calls, you should, but the power of Instagram, what it does is it allows you to have three to five bullet points next to that person's name. So before you pick up the phone, you have three to five bullet points about who that person is. You know that they love honey lavender lattes. You know that their husband is PCSing, like, you know, all of this stuff about them, because what's the worst part about a cold call? You have no idea who's on the other end of the phone. So if you can use the Instagram platform to your benefit, which why wouldn't you? Um, you can get to know the person a little bit. You can get to know them on a personal level. So when you do pick up the phone, you can say something or mention something. Hey, Michelle, I know um, you and your husband are actually building a house in Clarksville, Tennessee. That's so awesome. Oh, and I also noticed that you hire military spouses. When did you get into that? Or what, what made you decide to do that? Now we're having a conversation. And then if you're, if you're you, Matt, right, and you're telling me or you're the one on the phone with me asking me those questions, if you then change the conversation or pivot the conversation to asking me if, if you can be the one to help me buy or sell, I'm going to be a lot more likely to listen to you and even give you the opportunity to pitch me because you took the time to get to know me personally first. Um, so the idea is that what is Instagram going to help you do? It's truly 100,000% going to help you make the conversion way easier so that no call you ever make moving forward is a traditional cold call. Um, let's convert it three to 5% instead of one to 2% on a cold lead. Right. And that's, that's the difference. Like what would converting at even 5% higher hell, even 2% higher. What would that look like for your bottom line every year? And most people, if you're doing, you know, 20 to 30, 40 transactions a year, converting one to 2% of your sales calls better or converting at one to 2% better off of your calls. I mean, that's five to 10 transactions a year who wouldn't want to do five to 10 more. Totally. So break these limiting beliefs. The limiting beliefs I'm assuming are coming to you from agents are one. If I narrow down that tight, I limit myself. I don't do enough business, so on and so forth. So break that myth for me. Yeah. It's a huge red flag to me. If somebody's like, oh, I need to cast the biggest net possible. No, you don't. Right. Because here's what I will tell you. Um, you are more attractive to somebody, even if they don't fit that mold because of your specialty. Right. And just because you specialize, perfect example, the lender I'm using for um, the house that my husband and I are building, he specializes in working with divorce people in the divorce industry, um, CPAs, people that are going through divorce. 
um, to, because he is in a blended family. Him and his wife got married after they both were divorced. They have multiple kids with each spouse. So it was a messy situation for him. So he made it his passion to serve people who were going through that. I've never been divorced. I have no intention of ever being divorced, but he was a former veteran. Um, and so there was some stuff that him and I connected on and guess what? He cared about me way more than he cared about getting the loan. Um, and he never even asked for it. I asked him for it because of that. Um, and so for me, the limiting belief is if I narrow down too much, nobody will work with me because it's such a small pool. Well, in reality, like even me, right? I only work with realtors and, and LOs, but we've had clients in the title industry. I had an insurance agent call me on Friday last week, like while I was in Southern California. Um, I have a, another client who is transitioning out of the mortgage industry into um, a, acquiring businesses. So he's basically gonna just flip businesses and come in and fix them and then sell them. Um, specifically, his goal is to do it with um, insurance companies. I don't know why, I don't really care why. The reality is, is like he knows that we're the right fit to help him do that. So because of our specialty, it made it us more attractive to people that are outside of that. Um, and again, because we listen, right? So if you say you specialize in working with veterans, that does that mean that a first time home buyer that's not a veteran is not gonna reach out to you? No, they absolutely will. But what they're probably gonna say is, hey, Michelle, I know you specialize in working with VA, you know, VA buyers or people who are former veterans, but you know, my husband and I, we're actually not, but we're moving to the area. Can you still help us? Of course we can, right? Or of course I can. Um, so I think that it's, it's a big problem. Like we don't, not everybody's for everybody. You and I have talked about that offline, but, um, not everybody is for everybody and that's okay. So find the right people. Um, and the more niche down you are, in my opinion, the more attractive you are to even the people outside of that. Yeah. And an interesting thought just hit me. Not only is that true for business, but it's true in personal life, right? We, it's how we started this call, right? It's like, we even have to niche down in our personal lives to, to make sure we're appealing to the right people and, and developing the right relationships. So, the, the, so that's the one myth, right? Is niching down is a problem. And then there's another problem with prospectors in general. And I say this because I've been one and am one is it's going to take too much time to research these people, to look at these three lines, to send this out, right? Why are we spending time customizing something to somebody that we don't know? Why don't we just get way more volume done? What do you say to that? Uh, quality over quantity. Um, and here, and what I say to that is if I can send 10 DMS to 10 people, it, if it takes me an hour to call 15 people, but it takes me the same hour to send 10 DMS because I had to go find 10 people specifically that made sense for me to send them to. Right. What that same hour, I didn't spend any more time on one than the other, but I converted 10% higher over here where are you going to spend your time? Right. It's obvious. So yeah, you might feel good by the fact that you just checked off 15 names off your list and maybe talked to two of them, right? Because depending on who answered the phone, um, but you're now on the phone with someone for pre-qualifying them to even work with you for 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, however long that conversation goes, when what you can do on the platform, in my opinion, is expedite that. So the average, the industry average on the real estate side of how many touch points it takes to convert somebody is six to eight, right? Um, and my goal and what we teach is to expedite the length of how long it takes to execute those six to eight touch points because it, those touch points take what, how often do you call your clients or your, your prospects every two weeks to follow up? 
you know, every 10 days, like whatever that looks like for you. But what if we can do the six to eight touch points in less than a week total, right? Now, the same amount of time that it takes you to call 15 people, you can triple, quadruple the amount of conversations you're starting and expedite the process of getting through those six to eight touch points. So again, you're just prospecting on a massively scalable level and you're going to convert higher because of the fact that you have those bullet points about that person before you even initially engage. Um, so it, I could go on and on and on forever, but at the end of the day, the higher quality leads, um, way more quality conversation, right? So you're having conversations with people based off of things that you actually wanna talk about. So you're able to go deeper into that. You're more likely to open up to that person if you feel connected to them. Um, and guess what? You have to have conversations with people consistently in order to convert them, right, period. What's a sample opening line that you would do? Totally depends on what they post, right? So you're completely subjective to, or we're subjected to what somebody posts content about. Um, so I just shared the screen or the quick seven second video that my realtor sent me because she went and walked our house in Tennessee um, and sent me the video because obviously I, I don't live there right now. So for me, that's what I live vicariously through. Um, but so she sent me the video and I posted it in my story. So let's say you, Matt, see that. Um, and this is a, not necessarily the best example because I'm not actively looking to buy a house because clearly I'm building a house. Yeah. But um, let's just say that that's what I posted or let's say um, you're a lender, right? And you saw that I posted that. Um, you might reach out to me and your initial point of contact would be, wow, this is gorgeous. What made you want to move to Clarksville or why are you ending up in Clarksville? Whatever, question mark, right? So two things happen. One, you recognized what the post was about. So you actually like, looked at it and read it. Um, and then second, you opened it or you ended your initial touch point in the form of a question that opens in what, why, or how, right? So you open the door for further conversation. Whereas a lot of people don't send messages with questions in them. They'll just, they'll just say that first part. Wow, this is gorgeous exclamation point conversation. Like I might say, thanks, cool. Or like whatever. Um, I'm not going to give them a lot of feedback, but if they say, Hey, what made you want to move to Clarksville? Or why did you guys end up in Clarksville? Now all of a sudden the door is open for me to send a, a more significant response, um, which then keeps the conversation going. We all know that the conversation has to continue in order for the conversion aspect to happen. Um, so the conversation would have to continue um, based off how it did organically. But if you don't edit in the form of a question, that person on the other side is not responding. And even worse, if all you do is you know a heart eyeball emoji or like one of the random quick replies, I'm definitely not responding to that. What are the key recipes, the key elements? So you mentioned six to eight touch points is the average conversion metric as far as quantity, but what are the key points that must happen to convert? Um, really good question again, and I'm gonna to try to answer this concisely. Um, some key specifics. Number one, you have to focus on connection first. So you have to always focus on what we call small talk before you try to convert them. So actually spend time going back and forth on the small talk piece because that will encourage, especially if you get someone that's not really willing to open up right away. So let's say I message you back and I say, oh, my husband is, you know, got a job, period. And that's all I give you. Like, you're going to have to keep coming back to try to get me to open up, right? So small talk is really important. So being willing to, number one, open the initial conversation in the form of a question so that you're more likely to get a response. That's key ingredient number one. Number two, you have to continue the conversation with small talk. So you can't be afraid of that because guess what? At the end of the day, what is a cold call? It is small talk, right? And people are so petrified by having a small talk and I don't, I don't get it. 
because that's our job. Um, so small talk is number two. Number three is you have to be intuitive and be willing to move the meeting, right? So you have to be willing to ask when you feel like it's time to ask. So you, Matt, let's pretend you're the lender trying to land me as the client since I'm building this house, right? You have to be intuitive enough to say, Hey, um, Michelle, I know we've been chatting a bunch back and forth. I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually licensed in Tennessee and I would love the opportunity to talk to you about it. Not sure if you already have a lender or not, right? And maybe you have a different line, but at the end of the day, you're not going to send that message until the connection has already been built, right? And you can even say that. Um, so one of the things I always teach everybody, and this is um, another key ingredient, I would say, is use connection in your ask. So focus on the connection that's been made and use the connection in your ask. So if you focus on the fact that, hey, Matt, it's been amazing getting to know you and to chat with you. It Obviously, we're very aligned. I'd love the opportunity to see like, you know, I don't know if you and I are a good fit or not, but I think we, it, it's worth exploring that. Um, do you have time next Wednesday to jump on a Zoom and chat about what the opportunity might be? Question mark, right? And that could be your DM to me. Um, you don't even have to bring up the fact that you could do my loan at that point yet. Um, and so that's, that's where finding the connection in your ask is going to be a lot more beneficial. Um, and then the last, very last thing is like the follow-up, right? So what we always teach people is the re-engage. So if a conversation naturally fizzles out, which a lot of them will, right? If you think about prospecting, it's a sales funnel. You got a lot of people at the top and you have a few people at the bottom. You have to have what we call a re-engage day. So any of the conversations that have naturally or very organically fizzled out, um, use the re-engage day as an opportunity to reignite that conversation. So go back to their profile, see if they posted something recently um, since you talked to them last, see if they have a new story that's up and don't go straight for the kill on that. Just reopen the conversation, especially if they fit your ideal client category um, and then allow the conversation to continue based off of a connection, not based off business. So um, I could get into a lot more on the engagement piece, but um, re-engaging is so wildly underserved like or like doing that that act is so not done enough and it, it's mind-boggling to me but um i guess that's why we have a job right a hundred percent oh my god i mean we could spend days on this topic so one question i gotta get out because i i feel like you're gonna have some ability to drop some gems on it is surrounding the intuitive part so like when i was doing b2b sales door-to-door -door, very similar to what you were doing uh I had to have like a method. I had like, I had to like essentially create a thought process around what intuition even was. And so for example, you always start with rapport and then you transition to business. But the question is, is when do you make that transition? Which is essentially what you're alluding to here with the messages, right? For me in person, yeah. it was very easy because you have what I call the magic moment. You have the moment where they, they tell you something with their body, they shift in their seat, they, they switch their language. Something happens where there, there's a physical change or a word change where you know, okay, now it's business time. And so- yeah. When you're in a direct message environment on Instagram, you don't have those visual cues. You don't have some of those same things. So if we had to script out intuition, what would be your best guess at how to do it? It's not a guess. It's a, it's a fact, honestly. And we, we've seen it over and over and over again. It's, are you like, so for me being intuitive and subliminally like playing it, right? So as I'm small talking, I'm subliminally dropping hints about what I do and how I do it right? As I go through it so that when I go for the ask based off of how they respond to me, they could say, here's a great example, right? A, a nostalgia. Oh my gosh, this reminds me so much of, 
and then tying that into a client story is so easy, right? How many clients have you had? Hundreds and hundreds, right? So if you're saying, oh my gosh, this reminds me so much of this client that I actually had. And when we walked and we were showing how, or I was showing them houses, we walked in and there was a giant six foot rattlesnake in their garage. That's so crazy. Have you ever experienced anything like that? So what you just did is subliminally told that person that you could help them buy or sell yep. without saying that. Um, and so when they get back, they could say, yeah, actually, um, we've been lived, we've lived in this house for 15 years, but I remember when we bought it that it, oh, now, you know, this person's lived in this house for 15 years. What can you do if someone's lived in a home for that long? Like, let's do a CMA. Let's do all these other different things. Let's figure out like how much equity, equity this person has and how much home they can afford since they've lived there for so darn long. Right. So being intuitive and being able to understand, um, all of those and subliminally dropping client stories, nostalgic, all these things that are designed to psychologically trigger someone to ask for or ask more questions. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. How do you develop the lists of these people? Like in the huge world of Instagram, how do you know who to reach out to? Yeah. So um, the very fast answer to that question is what we do is we have them build out a tracker. So it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, all of those five days of the week. One of those days is a re-engage day, um, as I mentioned before. And then one of those days is a follower day. So that means on that day, all you're doing is loving on the people who you're already connected to. Um, so that's a way for you to stay top of mind. Some of that might be your close friends list. Some of that might be your, your favorites list. Um, anybody who's in my favorites or close friends list, they're either clients already or they are prospects. So they're hot leads for me. Um, so on my close friends list day, let's say that I sign that to Monday. Um, all I do is I focus on that on my re-engage day. As I mentioned, it's people that I've already started conversation with, but the conversation might have naturally fizzled. So that leaves Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I identify who are my ideal clients are. Um, and we teach all of our students how to do this and, and all of our clients how to do this because everybody's different, right? So if your ideal client is, let's say you're recruiting, um, and we've had, especially on the real estate side, the amount of people who are more focused on referrals these days is wild, like out of state referrals, um, especially in the military community. I don't know. I'm obviously because I'm a, I live in a military town and I'm kind of a military wife and all of that. And I hire military wives. Like I, I'm just involved in the military community a lot. Um, but it's been really crazy to me because there's been so many agents that I've spoken to recently 
who have built their entire business on creating a platform that tells people other realtors in other areas that they are the queen of that area or king of that area. So they build their entire business on referrals. So they literally live for the 25%. Um, so let's just say that's you. Um, on one of the days, let's say it's Tuesday, you would assign it to military referral day. So if I'm a, if I'm an agent trying to get a referral from a, another agent in, let's say another military town on Tuesday, all you're going to do is engage with other realtors in other military towns. So you're going to list out, um, we have the way we break it down is five hashtags, five accounts and five geotags. So you list out different, um, things that are different hashtags, different geotags, which are location tags and different accounts. Um, and then you're going to go execute what we call the 45, 20 rule. So 45 comments and 20 story replies, um, the magic sauce is definitely um, in all of that. Um, but really what you're doing is you're creating 45 conversations every single day in that category or every Tuesday, if you will, in that specific category. Um, Wednesday, it could be assigned to a different ideal client. You know, Thursday could be a different ideal client. And a lot of our clients have two weeks of uh, an engagement tracker because they're kind of building a broader base based off who their ideal clients are. Um, for me personally, one of my days is, um, events, right? I love speaking at events and it's something that I've recently spent a lot more time focusing on, um, because of where my business is at. Um, so one of the days of the week, all we do is we engage with either hosts of big events or other speakers that have spoken at these big events so that they know who I, Michelle Barmore Michael am. Wow. So Michelle, you are using this 45, 25 strategy to do not just grow real estate businesses for people, but also like speaking, et cetera. Can you take us into uh, the different ways that you can utilize the 4525? Yeah, it's 4520, but same, same. Um, 45 comments and 20 story replies is, is really what the 4520 rule is. And um, the fun thing about this is for me, the way I look at 4520 and really why I just kind of decided that this needed to be the case is I thought to myself, Lots of people cold call, right? We're taught to cold call kind of in the industry. Um, that's a really normal thing. Like pick up the phone and call, like you have to do your calls that day, right? And I thought to myself, I was like, there has to be a better way, right? There has to be a, a way so that by the time I end up on the phone with these people, it's a much warmer conversation and they are actually ready to talk to me. Like first and foremost, that's so important. We're all really busy. Like those of us, you know, kind of in... The, the stage of business that, that you and I are at, Matt, right? Like we don't have time to just be on the phone to be on the phone. Like if I'm on the phone with somebody and you have a 30 minute slot, it's because like I am talking about business with you and like, what does that mean, right? So when I was just like, what does that mean for us? So when I was deciding on this 4520 concept, it really came down to how can I create my own sales funnel through engagement so that when someone ends up on the phone with me, it's a much warmer sale meaning it's a, it's a much warmer conversation and it's an easier sale. And the only ones who are on the phone with me are most likely people who I already have some rapport with. So when I get on the phone with them, the first, you know, five minutes of the call, we're, we're chatting about our personal lives. We're checking in about the XYZ connection that we might've had or, or made via DM. And then it's like, oh, by the way, we're on the phone to talk about business. So the way that the 4520 works is you categorize all five days of the week based off of who you're trying to target, right? So if you're a loan officer or if you're a real estate agent, who your ideal client is might be different. Um, and I'll just use myself as an example here, right? So one of my big goals is to speak more. Like that is my passion. I love it. 
I, I'm, I just got done doing that again. And it's why I, I live for it. Like it, there's nothing more exciting to me. Um, but how do I land more of those speaking opportunities? Well, I have to decide who do I need to connect with in order to make that an opportunity or to, to create that opportunity for me. And the answer is I need to connect with people who are either hosting events or the speakers of the events, because if they're speaking at events and they get like the host says, Hey, um, yeah, we're looking for some, some new talent next year. Or we're looking for some new faces next year. I want that person to be like, Oh, have you heard of so-and-so? Right. And, and that this goes for anybody who wants to speak more. If you're listening to this and you're like, speaking is my passion. That's what I want to do. Go find a ton of events and, and just engage with people who are following and the, engage with the speakers, engage with the event account itself. Most of them have that. Um, now, if you're a real estate agent and you're trying to sell more real estate, let's say you're really into mountain biking. I don't know. Let's just make that up. Right. Mountain biking is your thing. You like, you like going trail riding and, and doing it. You're part of a, a mountain bike meetup group. Maybe you're part of a Facebook group on uh, or about mountain biking and different trails and meetups and yada, yada. How can you find more business up on Instagram? Right. That's like the key question. Well, go on Instagram and categorize it. So on Monday, let's say it's mountain biking day, right on your tracker. So on Monday, all you're going to do is look up the top five trails that you frequent in your city. Um, or wherever you live, you're going to find the hashtag related to that mountain biking trail. They exist. You're also going to find the geo tag, meaning the location tag for that trail. And if that park that that trail is in has its own Instagram account, which it very well, so it very well may follow that as well. So you're going to be engaging across as many hashtags related to different mountain, bike, mountain biking trails, geo tags for those mountain biking trails and different accounts associated to it. Now that's just one day, right? Day number two, let's say it's Tuesday, maybe it's mountain biking events. So maybe all you're doing is finding all of the different mountain biking events that happen near, near you. Um, and then a key to that too, is think a little bit outside the box and say, who else is, who else has an influence in these events, right? And most likely it's the vendors. So the vendors have a say and the vendor's job is to invite people in. And most likely the vendors probably know the people throwing the event. Right. So in that case, um, go after the vendors, right. Meaning go follow all of the vendors who are likely going to be at those events, because guess what, right. At the end of the day, if you're following the mountain biking events, Instagram, and you're following the hashtag or the geotag related to that event, who's consuming that content. It's people that mountain bike, right. 100%. And if that's your ideal client, then that's what you need to be doing. You need to be living in that space, right. You need to be having conversations with people who are into that. Um, because why, if they go to your Instagram account, they may see you mountain biking. They may see lifestyle content of you tagged, getting ready to do your, a race. Right. And so they're going to see that and they're going to say, Hey, I saw that Matt, I saw you comment on some mountain biking trails. Um, and then I went to your Instagram and there was a bunch of pictures of you mountain biking and, Oh, I see you're a real estate agent. Well, cool. Like we obviously have some synergy here. Now they're going to follow you most likely. Right. And those are the types of followers we want. Um, because if it's not that type of person, then we're not going to get anywhere. It's like just a number that doesn't really actually add value to us. And so the premise of the 4520 is prospecting very, very intentionally and in a very specific way that is going to lead us to having higher value conversations, right? We're meaning we're going to have conversations with people that we actually want to talk to. And by the time we get on the phone with them, our conversion rate is going to be significantly higher. So the idea is. 1%, 2%, 5% higher. What would that do for your, 
the amount of money that you make that year, like how many deals could you do if you convert 5% higher? Like that is a massive amount of money that people are just missing because they're not willing to do it, right? Or they're not thinking of it as that, right? So a lot of times people are just thinking of Instagram as another social media platform. Oh my gosh, let me go make sure I post today, check that box. But instead, I think they're missing an enormous opportunity um, to prospect at a very scalable level and to do it in a way that is going to help us convert way higher. So you've mentioned mountain biking, which is a hobby. So like I'm thinking about my mind likes growth, it likes scale. So I'm thinking about it could be, you could have more than one hobby. You know, you could have that, but like you talk about earlier, you talk about, you know, the fact that you are in the, you're a military family. And so as a military family, you got that. So you could have occupation, you could have hobbies. If you were to list out what are maybe five or 10 or more ways that, that you can utilize this. I mean, there's a lot of different facets to who we are. So, so it's two ways. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up because our tracker. So when we teach this, it's two weeks. So week number one is when you're not at home and when you're not at work, what do you do? Right? So for the mountain biking example, this is an agent that we work with. Um, he's a very avid mountain biker. Like that is legit his thing. And so on Monday, all we're doing is engaging on mountain biking trails on Tuesday. All we're doing is engaging on mountain biking events slash vendors related to the mountain biking events on Wednesday. It's probably, um, his followers day. So what that means is all he's doing is going back through everyone who's following him and he's engaging with those people, right? Difference in people you're following. We're not talking about people you're following here. We're talking about people who are following you, right? Very different because if they're following you, it's your job to stay connected to them and to keep them engaged in your content. They came and followed you. So you're like, okay, well, I obviously need to engage with these people. Um, and then Thursday might be a secondary hobby. So maybe it's golfing for him, which it is. I'm using an actual client example here. Um, so if let's say Thursday is golf. So same concept, right? His top five golf courses that he frequents, all of the restaurants on some of these golf courses, the clubhouse itself most likely has an Instagram account. There's also most likely professional golfers that are teaching lessons at these different country clubs. So he could be following their accounts. He should, could be engaging with their content. Again, why? Because the people who are can the people who are actually consuming that content are golfers, people who are into the golfing side of things. And then Friday, what we call is what we call re-engage day. So on Friday, anybody who you've talked to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, who you've had some semblance of a conversation, but maybe the, the conversation kind of very naturally and organically fizzled out, which it does, right? Like conversations kind of naturally come to a, a stopping point in a lot of cases. And that's really okay. And you know this from, you know, having to do it, like you have to re-engage people. If you have a lead and you have to follow up, you have to call them back, right? So there, it's no different than following up in this case, uh, re-engaging by sending a new DM to somebody who you would have normally had to pick up the phone and, and call again to follow up. It's the same concept. So that would be Friday. Then week number two, um, and again, we teach this on a two week rotating cycle, but week number two would be industry specific. So I'm going to continue to use the same client example. So this particular gentleman, again, on the personal side, mountain biking, golfing, um, on the industry specific side, meaning on week number two, again, we have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, during that week, it's industry specific. So who are his clients and where do they work? Right. So week number two is where do your clients work? <laughs> um, meaning where do they go 
that you could go engage with them on social. So this particular gentleman is based in Salt Lake City. Um, and he's really, the, the town he lives in is very much so IT based. Um, so we went and we found a whole bunch of different organizations that are IT companies or IT startups um, that a lot of his clients come from, right? So for whatever reason, that's where a lot of his clientele is. Um, and so we found five or six different ones. We found a bunch of geotags. We found a bunch of hashtags related to all of these different uh, IT companies. And then all he does on that day, so let's say we assign IT day to Monday, is engage with all of these different Instagram accounts that are related to these different IT companies. Um, and the, the special sauce there is that a lot of times if you go to the tagged tab, it's a bunch of people who actually work at those IT companies. Um, but again, if you're engaging with the IT companies page as a whole, you might be thinking like, why would I do that? Because I want to go direct to a client. Well, the reality is, is again, who's consuming that IT accounts content? <laughs> Somebody who's either in IT, maybe they're looking for a job, maybe they already work for that person. Like they are your person. You just have to see it that way. So again, um, everything about the 4520 to, to wrap that this part of that up is about being able to prospect very, very intentionally. And a lot of people hate talking on the phone. A lot of people hate cold calling, right? There, and I believed that there was a better way to get them on the phone because I do think you have to. I think that part of sales is we have to get them on the phone, but why not make the funnel tighter so that by the time they end up on the phone, again, they're warmer, we convert higher, we make more money, all of the things that we will love and want. Absolutely. So let's just get into some of the uh, protocols here. So 4520, yeah. is it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday is not 4520, it's re-engage day, or is it 4520 Monday through Friday with adding additional re-engage day? No. So Monday through Friday, 4520 on re-engage day, do 4520. So even though it's re-engage day, the idea is that you're doing 45 touch points. So you're going back through all of your DMs and you're re-engaging with anyone who the conversation has naturally kind of stopped. Um, and you're re-engaging on a piece of content. So let's say it's you, Matt. Let's say you and I talked on Monday um, and we had a great conversation, but the conversation again came to a natural stopping point. Super normal. Um, you're busy. I'm busy, right? Um, on Friday, I'm going to send you, or I'm going to go to your account. I'm going to look at what you've posted to see if you have a recent piece of content and I'm going to comment on it. And then I'm going to look and see if you have a recent story up and I'm going to send a story reply to it. And that story reply is designed to end up in your DMS, right? So that you want to naturally respond back to me. Now I'm not going to bring up the fact that, Hey, the conversation fizzled out. I'm not even going to mention it. Right. And if our, and if our conversation wasn't business ready yet, I'm not going to bring it up on Friday. All I'm going to do is reignite the conversation based off of something that you recently posted. Um, so that we're having another very organic connective conversation. And then at that point, most likely after either one, two or three re-engages, maybe five, who knows how long it takes. That person is probably going to ask you for business or you're going to be ready to go ahead and confidently ask them because the conversation is there. Like you, you just, you'll just know people are like, well, when do you turn the conversation? When do you ask them to for coffee? Or when do you ask them to jump on the phone? And I'm like, you will just know, like if you're in real estate or you're in any of any form of sales period, you should have some sort of intuitive thing in your brain. That's telling you it's time to go for the ask, follow your heart on it and listen to it. hundred percent. Yeah. We have a saying called the magic moment. 
Uh, obviously that's with, with one-to-one in-person sales, but it, it, there's still a lot of application to messaging. So it's I want to get a sense of, of the total size of your list here. So it's 4520. How many would you recommend of that 4520 is new people and how much of it is hitting people time and time again? So Monday through Friday, it's going to be different, right? Every day of the week is going to look different. Um, because if you're doing Monday and it's mountain bike day, right? We're going to be hopefully engaging with 45 people you've never spoken to before. That's the idea, right? But in reality, if you're a frequent mountain biker um, of these trails, there is potentially going to be a couple of them that you might know, right? You might know some of these people who are tagging themselves at these trails, but maybe they have never sent you a deal. Maybe you've never done business with them. And that's actually a good thing, right? In this sense, because you can send them an initial message based off of a story that they've produced and say, Oh my gosh, Matt, it's been such a long time. I had no idea that you liked this same trail as me. Like, Hey, when, when do you normally go? Question mark, right? Reignited relationship, um, in theory. Um, so it's a combination of both. It's going to be some days, depending on where you're engaging, you might know people. Um, but in reality, the idea with this type of prospecting and really my, the method to my madness, if you will, is can we scale our new business? while also strengthening and maintaining our old book of business. Meaning anyone who's a client of ours, perfect example. I follow almost all of my core students or vendor partners or people who are private VIP clients um, on Instagram. Meaning they see my stuff and they see mine or I see their stuff and they see mine, right? And that's intentional because I'm only one human and I have way more clients that I could possibly talk to every day. It's impossible for me to do that. So social, specifically Instagram, gives me the opportunity to stay connected to them. I see a story that they're posting. Um, I see a piece of content that they've posted. And I'm like, hey, so-and-so, it's so great to, to see that you're doing this. Or, hey, I, I miss you. I can't wait to be on our, your next check-in call. Like, it gives me that opportunity. So it's a combination of both. Because in theory, if you want to maintain your book of business, you need to be top of mind always. But also, if you want to grow your business with new people, you have to be going and having new conversations. So 45 times five, I mean, you do the math, it's well over 200, um, that you're starting yeah. new, yeah, you're starting conversations with, um, now if you say three quarters of that is new and maybe a quarter of that is going to be people that you might already know, or at least might already be somewhat connected to, um, hell that's a huge win. Yeah. So let's talk about taking it from the comments to the DMS, right? I kind of feel like it's like making the pickup line. There is the comment and then you're trying to get them out on the date. So walk me through, like, when do you keep it in the comments? When do you move it to private, private chat? So there, it, there is no difference. Like, because I think this is important. So 45 comments and 20 story replies, they are separate, right? So it's the idea is if I go to you, I'm going to use our relationship as an example, Matt. So if I go to your Instagram and I see a piece of content you posted on your feed, I'm going to comment on it, right? I may click on it. I'm going to read your caption. If it's a video, I'm going to make sure I watch it. So I know exactly what the video actually is about. Um, hello, like crazy thought, right? Uh, but you'd be shocked how many people don't do that. Um, so I'm actually going to watch your video and then I'm going to comment on it and I'm going to leave an intuitive, genuine thought or comment. It doesn't necessarily need to be a question. It could genuinely just be a statement, right? But I'm also going to see if you, Matt, again, I just commented on your feed. I'm also going to see if you have a story up. If you do, I'm going to read or watch one of your stories. Um, and then I'm going to send you a DM and I'm in that DM or in reply to that story. Um, AK, it's going to automatically end up in your DMs. That's how Instagram works. 
um, I'm going to end that story reply in the form of a question. So let's say you post something about um, you're taking your kids camping for the first time, right? I'm going to comment and be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to do this with Knox. How, what are some ideas that you would give me for a new mom taking my son camping for the first time? Question mark, right? Again, I ended it in the form of a question, but I ended it intentionally open-ended so that you could go in whatever direction you wanted to, as far as how you answered that question for me. So I double tapped, right? Meaning I commented on your feed. I also replied to a story of yours, which means for you as the consumer of that engagement by me, most likely, and psychologically, you're going to say, well, who is this Michelle person? Cause she's obviously like a real person leaving a real comment and actually taking the time to watch my content. So you're way more likely to engage with me. Um, the fact that it's in the form of a question means that you're a lot more likely to actually respond. Um, and the conversation is also more likely going to turn you into a consumer of my content, which is at the end of the day, what I really, really want is you to be consistently consuming my content because in theory, right? I'm trying to earn your business because I think you're an ideal client. Like that's the whole point, right? Yeah. And, and just to make sure I have the numbers right. So 45 is the number of new people you're connecting to every single day. 20, those 20 are, are a part of the 45, right? So you're double tapping 20 people, single you're tapping. You're double tapping 20 of the 45 in theory. Yes. So Beautiful. it's a total of 45 people per day. Now, let's say you go through 45 comments and not a single one of those 45 people have a story up. I'd be shocked. Um, but at maximum, it would be 65 people, new people a day. Um, but in theory, yes, it should be 45 people that you are double timing, meaning you're, you're, getting, you're giving a comment on their feed and you're also sending a, a reply to them um, that's going to end up in their DMs via story reply. Yeah. And, and you're not saying that this is like just some easy, get rich quick. I mean, this is it's real not. work, right? This it, is absolutely real work. This is prospecting. It's just, you're not getting rejected on the phone, right? You're, you're, and so that being said, you're doing a lot of reach outs. I mean, this, this is a fair bit of logistics to manage. And I know a lot of people that maybe they're already having some success in real estate. Mm -hmm. They might want to send this to an assistant, like, but it seems like you got to do this in your own voice to some degree. So what's yeah, your take uh, on yeah, uh, such a good point. Um, and I will tell you, right, my organization, we have worked very, very hard on this because we understand that. Um, and our ideal client is actually someone that is probably too busy to do this on their own. Um, so there are people who are going to buy our course and they're going to go through and they're going to learn how to do the whole thing. Great. That's awesome. Um, but in theory, my or my ideal client is actually someone that calls me and says, Michelle, like I'm too busy for this. Um, can I have, can I have you guys do this now with that being said, there is a lot that goes into that. And I'm telling you that because in, what I want people to hear me say is this isn't a joke, right? This is like, I truly believe that if you prospect in this way and I am walking, breathing, living proof of it. Um, that prospecting this way makes you convert higher. So with that, right, if you, Matt, pay me to do your engagement, I'm a female, first of all, you're a male. We talk differently, right? So how does that work, right? And in the onboarding process, we have a very, very strategic way of going about this. And really what we do is we get to know Matt to his core, right? Because at the end of the day, if I'm trying to sound like you, talk like you, come across as if I were you, 
I have to know words you say. I have to know phrases you say. I have to understand certain things that you would or wouldn't say. Um, I have to know kind of like some lingo that you would have. I also have to know a lot about you personally. What's your wife's name? What's your dog's name? What are your kids' names? What do you do in your free time? Do you like coffee? Do you like tea? Do you like your coffee black? Do you like it with cream? Like, are you a latte person? Like, it sounds so stupid when you think about it um, on the surface, but when you really actually dig into it as the person helping you prospect, I have to know those things, right? So we have a very, very strategic process and I don't want to give, give all of it away, but um, we have a very, very in-depth process as to how we go about this because it truly is, is life-changing for our clients wholeheartedly. Yeah. Without giving me too much or the, or, you know, some of the things that would jeopardize your business, like for somebody that's like, Michelle, I love your idea. I just, I'm a do it myself kind of person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what would be some like rough steps of like, is there like a framework they run through to, to share themselves with another human being or. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, uh you just, ha- it's just small talk. Like that's it. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, what is sales? It's taking the time to get to know somebody and asking them questions. So I will tell anybody, if you're trying to execute 45, 20 daily based off anything that Matt and I have said over the last you know hour and a half, um, it's get to know people, be curious, right? Ask a lot of questions um, and don't be afraid to go into areas of things that you enjoy and find your tribe, live in it. You don't need to be for everybody because you're not going to make everybody happy. Like you're not, the right person for every client. So be okay with that and live in that space and you'll be wildly successful with this. Um, and the other thing I will tell you is small talk is a good thing, right? And I know we've kind of talked about this a little bit, um, but the average number of touch points to convert a lead is six to eight, right? So how do we shorten the distance between the six, the amount of time it takes to get through six to eight? Um, and according to, you know, damn near every uh, real estate or population, or what's the right phrase of that? Every real estate publication, I was gonna say population, but that's the wrong word. Um, Every real estate publication, Redfin, Realtor.com, Zillow, Inman, all of these big publications, the average number is six to eight, okay? So we get that. But how long does it take to execute six to eight follow-ups or touch points with a lead? Usually that is months, right? Because if you're calling them every other week, six touch points is three months in theory, right? If my math is right. So that's a long time. Right. But if you do this 45, 20 structure, the way that I teach this, that six to eight touch points could be done in six to eight days. It could be done in six to eight weeks at the absolute most. Um, and in theory, it would be a lot shorter than that. So let's talk about the person that you connect deeply with early on. Like, I mean, we hopped on a podcast together and, and it was just like the connection was there like right away. But let's say you're not going to buy, you're in my avatar. Let's say you're not going to buy for a year or two years. But, but like, I'm now your guy, I'm your agent. What, what does that look like? For you as the agent with me as the lead? Yeah. What do I do Um, on on that plan? Yeah. Um, so what to, to get really into the weeds, I mean, we have an incredibly robust follow-up system based off of how our CRM operates. So we have 77 follow-up emails that I personally have written every word of, um, that is a that was a massive undertaking that took me, I would say probably about a year to really build out in its entirety. And it's still growing, right? Because I, I'm in the process of building the next 11 of those um, so that it continues. But the idea is that if I know 
based off of our conversation in the DMs that you're the right ideal client, or in this case, I'm the ideal client for you to, for you to help me buy or sell real estate. Um, your job, Matt, would be to get me on the phone, right? Through Calendly um, or some scheduler app, because why? You're going to get my phone number and you're going to get my email. That phone number and email is going to put me in that drip. Um, so same thing for me, right? When we have a client that comes through, um, if they if they end up scheduling a call with me, they are now in my 77 email drip. So when they are ready, six to eight months from now, or however many months it takes, they're not going to go away. They're going to see all these emails and these emails are very intentional. A lot of it's very high value. It's not slimy. It's not, here's my call, book a call or my calendar, book a call, book a call, book a call, book a call. Um, every Wednesday I go live in my Facebook group. And one of the emails that are all part of those 77 emails are those Facebook lives. So I am just giving them as much value as I can possibly give them. So when they're ready, they're ready. Again, they get on the phone with me and they are ready. Like there is no selling and no hard sell involved. They're like, Michelle, I have my credit card out. Like, what do I need to do? Like truly. So let's talk about the serial entrepreneurs that you and I both are, right? So I look at the system and I'm like, whoa, okay. This is a, a prospecting that like prospect. I, I love phone sales and I love teaching phone sales, but I recognize that the, the, the percentage of population that loves it will get good at it is pretty small, right? Most people are like, no, thank you. But sending messages and just commenting and liking, that's probably a much broader swath of people you could hire to do that for you. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, well, this is prospecting that has a, a base of people that you can hire. And I'm thinking, I could do that for my real estate business. I could do that for sales coaching. I could do that for the podcast. Like I could do that for five businesses. But like, if I did all of that for five businesses, I would have 30 lifetimes of leads. What, like, are you guys doing this for serial entrepreneurs that have like five businesses at a time? And if so, like, how, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, again, our clientele, like my ideal client is someone like that. Someone who is like, okay, I understand the value and you understand obviously that there's money involved in the exchange of receiving that value. And so I'm not sitting here trying to convince you that the money is worth the money because I shouldn't have to, um, at that point. Um, but most of our clients are very high producing. A lot of them run and operate multiple companies. Um, or multiple aspects to their real estate or to their mortgage business, right? We have a loan officer who we love, um, and she also owns multiple Airbnb properties, and all of those Airbnb properties have their own socials, right? So that's the idea is she's using Instagram to get them booked, right? But she also is a very high-producing uh, branch manager for a large mortgage company. So um, I don't even think she's actually originating anymore, but she has a huge team, right? So for her, it's important that she has everything like she can be everywhere um you take another client for example um she's a, a lower producing mortgage professional but her husband is a professional golfer um, and he's actually in the process of launching a charity golf tournament um with the idea of getting the mom and pop like local dads to want to come to this golf tournament and so she called me the other day and she said michelle can you help me i, I need may june and july like i need this golf tournament to be promoted i need to get vendor partners i need to make sure the vendor partners are involved in it um, I mean, I need to make sure the vendor partners are actually posting on social the way they're supposed to be like all that. Right. So at that point, that's what we're here for. Right. Because if you're telling us that you need help there, we're going to help you. Like our job is to help you create those touch points via DM. So that, that prospecting, um, nobody's too business, too busy for the business. I don't care who you are. Everyone wants more business and wants more leads. Um, so the biggest thing I will tell you is have a, an appointment setter. 
like that's a really big deal. So if we're doing all of the prospecting, we're doing your 45, 20 Monday through Friday, you better have a prospect or a, a, an appointment center that is going in and managing the replies on your behalf. Because if we go out and we send all those initial messages, you're going to wake up to a crap ton of messages that you continued, right? So that person, that appointment center is in charge of that. And that person better know how, what the structure is of getting them to Matt's calendar, right? So they better know how to ultimately get them through the process. They better know what all of your different businesses are and, and understand the inner workings of all five of those so that they can say, based off this conversation intuitively, oh, this person is the best or is a good fit for Matt's real estate business. This person is a good fit for this business that Matt has. So I'm going to send them to the right calendar, right? So you, Matt, need to make sure you have a Calendly link that, that is updated and correct. Um, so that if I, if, if my company pushes the prospects to you and then you have your appointment center that actually gets the appointment set on your calendar, you can close it. So let's talk about this. So like, I love podcasting. Like, I could sit in this chair all day long, every day of the week, have amazing conversations like I'm having with you and yeah. be happy as a clam. But I also want to grow 10 other businesses at the same time uh, by providing opportunities for people. So yeah. this type, both. what's that? I said you and me both. Oh yeah. And so like, essentially this type of business is really leveraging my interests and my hobbies and who I am yes. and then presenting that forward. And yet if I want to build this business, I don't have enough time to be on 40 podcasts a week and be on 40 sales calls for each of the businesses. So this is obviously going to have to go from prospector to appointment setter to some, somebody on my team closer or whatnot. Do you see like what sort of drop off, if any, do you see when this essentially just, it becomes the team in my name, but I'm not the one showing up. I mean, you and I are the, in the exact same boat um, because I, and I, I will tell you, um, cause we've been very candid together in this episode. And I think it's important to be honest with each other and, and honest with our audience. Um, it's hard, right? It's hard to be the face of all of it. And then to, to trust and kind of let go and let God, as I say, um, and, and let somebody else have a hand in that. Um, and for me, it's also been a challenge because, um, I've had a good challenge, I should say, but I've had so much feedback from people who are so grateful like truly on the other end of the phone, they are so grateful that they get to speak to me before they buy my program or before they join our VIP program. They're like, oh my gosh, Michelle, you're the one that answered the phone. Like I for sure thought I was going to get somebody else. Right. So there is something to say about that. There is some part of me that has a very hard time letting that go because I love that. Right. I love hearing that because truly what lights my fire up and what we've talked about in the previous hour is that affirmation piece for me. Um, and knowing that I just made someone's day that is so important to me. Um, but I also want to scale my company, right? I, and ultimately it comes down to the 10 girls that I have working for me. I know what all 10 of those girls' financial goals are. I know what their personal goals are in their life. Um, and guess who gets to drive that? Like yep. me, right? So that's hard on one hand. That's a heavy burden. On the other hand, that is like a... a a flipping fire under my butt every single day to just get better and better and better and do more and more and more. But at the same time, I'm a mom and it's hard for me to do everything every day. Right. So there's this balance. Um, and my business coach always tells me, he's like, Michelle, nobody will ever be you and that's okay, but they, they can be 80% of you. They can be 85% of you and 85% of you, Michelle is still badass. And that's what my coach <laughs> said to me. And I was like, Love okay, it. exact words. And so I hired somebody, I poured every ounce of my body and soul into her 
um, and she's crushing it, right? And now I trust her to say, Michelle, this person is not worth hiring. Michelle, this person is worth hiring. And then it's up to her to go make sure that that employee of ours is executing to the standard that I would expect. Um, but I think you and I, as the owners, right, we always have to have a hand in a lot of it. We just have to decide what part our hands need to be in that are going to make one, uh, keep the retention really high. That's super important, obviously. Um, so when you have a, a service-based business, retention is a very important number because you don't want a lot of turnover. Um, so before we scaled our employees and our clients, I made sure that that system, as far as how to retain clients was very dialed in. So our retention is crazy good. Like most of our clients are with us well over a year and, and a service-based business that is very uncommon. Very, very good. Um, yeah. So that is amazing to me. Right. So I got that system dialed in and then let Tiffany go and take it and duplicate it within our employees to maintain that. But I, as the owner still have to be involved in a lot of that, those calls. Right. So what I try to do is any private client of ours, I try to be on a phone call with them or a zoom meeting at least once a month, even if it's just to say hi, right. So they can see my face. I can check in and I can say, Hey Matt, I hope you're doing amazing. It's great to see you. Um, also Ashley told me blah, 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 we had this great win, right? So I'm kind of there for the wins. And then obviously if there's something that needs to be spoken about, I always tell any client, you have my cell phone number. If you really need to get a hold of me and you'd like to jump on the phone with me, you have it, text me. Right. And that's my number. It's not a Google voice number. Like it is my cell phone number. Um, and there's a lot of value in that. So again, it's knowing what part of the process our hands need to be in. And then I would say really trusting whoever your, your side piece is. Um, I say that lovingly, but, um, Tiffany truly is the other half of my brain, um, and trusting that she can execute and she knows what my values are and she can repeat them within the organization. A hundred percent. And I mean, like there's a lot of people that would probably love to do that position, right? It's, it's, you could do it if you're introverted because it's quiet, you're at a desk, it's systemic. There's so many things to it. So you're, you're speaking through somebody else. So it's not you on the line. Like there's so many good things. I want to talk about the nuts and bolts of the business. So yeah. like as a viable model, so like, let's say I'm considering this and I'm thinking about the financial aspects of it. Like how much is reasonable to allocate for the total pro, uh, prospecting side, setting side, et cetera, like to, to make this business work? Yeah. I mean, we charge $3,000 a month for a client, right? And that, that $3,000 a month means that they're paying us to produce all of their content, write all of their copy, build their entire brand as far as the, the, the visuals. And that also includes us doing 45 comments and 20 story replies on their behalf Monday through Friday, right? So again, we're going out and creating the initial touch point. And then of that 45, 20, every single day, you may get 10, 15, 20 messages per day. It may be 10 to start, right? Who knows like how many of the 45 respond. So the appointment setter would need to come in at that point. And those 10 of the 45 that respond, that appointment setter is taking those 10 conversations and continuing them with the intention of getting them on Matt's, AKA your calendar, right? So you have to decide what that salary for the appointment setter is. And what we did um, was we gave a reasonable base, which was actually like a very similar to the commission-based model. Um, and then we decided that the appointment setter would make a base salary of 1500 a month, which is not a lot, right? But 
they would make anywhere from a hundred to $300, depending on what the client bought. So if they booked a call on my calendar and I converted that person into a course student, that was a hundred dollars. If I converted that person into a course student and a coaching student, like a coaching client at the same time, that person, or that was a $200 commission. Um, if that person became a VIP client, that appointment setter got $300. So the appointment setter doesn't get paid if I don't sell the client, right? So that incentivizes the appointments that are to make sure that they're only setting appointments with people that are actually going to convert and not just setting appointments to set appointments, right? Because anybody can get on and just rapid fire and send a bunch of messages and send calendar links out, right? But again, what's going to happen is you're going to end up with a, a full calendar full of people that are not qualified to talk to you. Um, so it, it takes effort into, or it takes effort from you, Matt, into that appointment setter to make sure that they know how and who to convert so that they make more money, you make more money, and that $1,500 you are paying them is easy money for, for them. And it's not it's not a big over, overhead for you. Um, and if you're selling a $3,000 product, right, and you're only paying them 100 because that's what they bought the course for, like the appointment setter is happy because they're making more money, but you're also happy because the, the ROI on that $100 you had to pay out is massive. Yeah. And this probably works really well in the coaching spaces where the cash cycles are very, very short. Like in real estate, you get a client, takes them two months to buy, takes them two more months to close. It's four to six months later. This, this is probably, I mean, in those situations, you probably have to pay higher base, take more risk. But in, in the coaching space, it's just probably a lot easier from a, just a fast I mean, cash. You might. I, I don't know that I agree with that, right? Because if you're a good real estate agent, your pipeline's full all the time, right? Yeah. So um, if you're get, if your appointment setter is doing a really good job at setting appointments, maybe they set an appointment six months ago for you. You went and met with that person six months ago. Um, but you went and met with eight people six months ago. So those eight people, maybe each one of those eight people were all, they all closed at some point throughout the year. So it's like this compound effect. Um, before I, before I started my own company, one of the organizations that I worked for, for a very brief time. Um, it was not really a corporate job. It was, it was definitely a small business that was actually, um, my fiance's at the time, it was his aunt. Um, and she ran an uh, interior design company. Um, and so what that essentially meant was she was the broker in between like, you know, these big Bernhardt, um, and, and large furniture organizations or people that were selling high end, uh, furnishings. Um, and so my job was to contact the real estate agents or to contact the stagers and create and essentially sell the real estate agent on a bunch of the furniture from XYZ, Bernhardt, whatever the, the uh, furniture company was, right? So how did I get paid? I got paid based off of if the real estate agent sent a check to buy $4,000 worth of Bernhardt furniture or to buy XYZ amount of furniture. So um, what, I mean, what I'm getting at with that is the more and more conversations I had, obviously it became a compound. So I, I could say, next month. Oh my gosh. I have six closings next month. I, or I have six people sending checks next month, next or the month after that, maybe I only have four, but then, oh my gosh, in September I have 10, right? So it becomes like this compound to the point where like at, truly, if you have a good appointment setter, you Matt, as the agent are always busy. And that appointment setter is always getting appointments booked. So you're always constantly getting more and more closings. Um, and each month is going to be four, five, six, seven, like it just depends on what's happening. So that appointment setter is happy. They're getting paid like, yes, they're only getting paid 1500 a month base, but if they're, if they're, they're getting paid 300 bucks per closing, 
and they're getting five, six, seven close, like that's a lot, right? And that's just a number you have to decide as the business owner based off of what your volume is and what you're, uh, what you're selling. Amazing. I could actually go into this stuff all day long. Unfortunately, we have to wrap it here. We should offline. Right. Yeah, exactly. Michelle, thank you so much for sharing so deeply into the numbers, the systems, the processes. It's clear that you're doing this at a very high level and we thank you for that. And this just gives such, I mean, there's the technical, like if they want to do this exact strategy, that's great. But there's also the underlying things like the prospecting, the branding, the communication, et cetera, that, that underlies that that's really cool as well. So guys, write down something that you learned from the day, whether it's the system, the strategy, the mindset, uh, put it into action, share it with somebody you know, so they can hold you accountable because freedom squared one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day, before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 